Is anybody else as burnt out as I am? I'm sure you are. I know I started this podcast to dispel problematic ideas about artists, but I always envisioned that who I would be informing would be people that weren't artists. But with everything I've been doing, along with a myriad of articles I've recently read, this episode screamed to me, release me. Max is a producer and a musician, among other things, and my conversation with him was so soothing to me in the middle of five projects not including this podcast, and it dawned on me. We all need to be talking a lot more about checking in with ourselves. How many of us feel validated by working so much that we don't sleep, that we don't feed ourselves, that we don't shower? How many of us compare our deprivation with others out loud in order to determine the validity of other people's shortcomings? How many of us have said, I haven't slept in two days in response to someone simply saying, I'm tired? Instead of glorifying how much we're depriving ourselves of basic necessities to other people, we should be checking in with us. How we feel, what we are doing, whether what we're doing is satisfying. Sometimes the answers aren't positive or glamorous, and sometimes the answers to those problems might not even be us. Max's episode made total sense to me. It was the bird's eye view, the steady voice that I think we all need sometimes. And the element Max brings to the table the most is honesty. Instead of beating ourselves up by thinking doing commissions are self-betrayal, and instead of thinking that stagnation is death, we should really listen to ourselves when our minds, our creativity, and our focus drops out or shifts. We have to have that conversation with ourselves to understand that change is a motivation to snap out of it or acknowledge that it is serving its purpose in itself. And comfort in that can make it easier to get motivated. I'm Amanda Levy, and this is Artist Cripes. Welcome to another episode of Artist Gripes. Uh, today we're going to talk about process. Um, if Max had to name this episode, he would be calling it, uh, what is it? What the fuck are you doing? Um, so today we're actually in one of Max's studios to talk to him about process, about how to manage your time, about how to manage your art, and how to managed to get anything done really um so hi max hey <laughs> hi um, to be here. yes so um i wanted you on this podcast because i feel like you have so much insight regarding uh musicians and music and artistry and trying to let people be who they are without stifling them but still like getting the product out of them i feel like you've always kept a really good work ethic uh, going around you and from other artists like you've always been able to like pull stuff out of them I know you've been able to pull stuff out of me as well when um, we need to get focused so when you wanted to do process I was really excited because I was like oh if anybody can talk about this shit (laughs) it's gonna be Max I've given it a lot of thought good Oh, go, go for it, Max. Story time. Let's do this. Well, 
there's a couple of ways to look at this. Um, when I said, what the fuck are you doing? I say that because I have to tell myself that all the time. I have to look at myself. I have to stop myself and just, and from being distracted and say, what the fuck are you doing? Because sometimes, as an artist, it's easy to just be uh, whimsical and to just follow these interesting things that distract our minds. But what becomes more important from there is what your actual objective is. For me, when I look at my own creative uh, efforts... It's simpler for me to look at things uh, from the perspective of what do I need to do today? What is the objective? Who am I doing something for? Am I uh, writing a song with someone? Am I finishing a song of my own, which never happens? We'll get to that later. Uh, <laughs> am I uh, doing arrangements for someone? What is the objective? And when I talk to people who are at a point of indecision in their work, that's what I usually say to them. Usually a little bit more politely than what the fuck are you doing, but I try to convey to them in... Um, I, I try to convey to them that, that I am looking at their work rather than what emotionally pulls me as to what objectively needs to get done. The emotional pull is already there. If I'm working with a person, I already believe in them, so I'm not trying to look for that thing. They don't have to sell me on ideas... Usually if somebody is trying to sell me on an idea, I become wary of it because it feels like they're not sold on it themselves. It's like they want me to tell them that an idea is super fucking great and that that's what we're going to do. And I'm like, okay, well, that's fine. You've got this idea, you've got that idea, you've got this idea. Which one is the one that feels most fleshed out? Gun to your head, which idea could you run with? Mm -hmm. kind of thing. I try to look at things like that. It's a lot easier for me. Like to with a gun to your head? Well, it's like if you didn't <laughs> have to think about it, if you had to make a choice right here and now, which idea in your bank is ready to run? Mm -hmm. Which idea could you work with the least hassle and bring to a better stage of completion than it exists in already? Which one, if you were forced to examine only one, because we've all got a myriad of ideas in the chamber. Mm -hmm. I'm guilty of this. I am a pack rat of ideas, and most of them have been stagnating for years now because of this. Mm -hmm. You know, which idea could you move with first? And when I work with people or when I, I come across my friends, because that's the beauty of what we do, is that clients and friends are basically the same thing. It's a lot easier for me to make friends through work. Yeah. Yeah, those are the friends that I like because I've proven myself to them and they to me through essentially trench warfare. <laughs> yeah. Because that's that's the other side of, of being creative and working in creative fields is it's it's not a romantic thing. In fact, I live to sort of kill that romance. Mm -hmm. People I find sometimes don't necessarily uh, presume to examine either their work or other people's work more than just this thing grabs me. Yeah. I need to know why. Yeah. I need to be able to dissect, or I guess if art is a living thing, vivisect it to, to appreciate the things that make it work. Yeah. The things that make it compelling, the things that give me the conviction to, to, to be drawn to it. Um, so for me to sit there and examine it with somebody... It's an important question, and that question can be, it doesn't have to be answered with any kind of purple prose. It's probably better not to answer it with it. Uh -huh. it's, it's better to look at things in a very sort of objective way. Think, okay, so what is it? Let, let's take a song of mine, for example. I'm going to take a song of mine that I haven't finished yet. 
because I'm terrified of finishing my own material because it's a lot easier for me to give this advice than follow it. Yeah. If only... As is all advice. <laughs> yep, exactly. I don't understand why people think practicing what you preach is so easy. Yeah, it's not. It's no, not. God damn it. <laughs> well, especially because half the time uh, I'm working on other people's commissions rather than my own. If I, if I have opportunities or occasions where I've been commissioned for work, the process has generally been a very streamlined and efficient one. Yeah. But, for example, I'll take a song of mine that I haven't really finished yet, it's a song that I'm just going to be calling Look at Me because <laughs> it was originally called Me Too and then that became a terrible thing to name a oh, song. Oh, no. It's all right. It still gets the same point across. So right yeah. there and then we think about the objective because the name needed to be changed. The song was called Me Too after a, a weird Simpsons reference talking about an overcrowded market. Um. You know, look at this. Look at these people who saw the overcrowded market and said, Me Too, guys. Yeah. You know, that's essentially the same thing. It's about trying to fi find yourself included in a, a market that may already be sick of the thing that you're offering from other people's stuff. So that yeah. was the joke of it to me. It's a up-tempo song with a sort of rock feel and an instrumental uh, nature. It doesn't have any vocals. It's uh, it's a shred song. Why not? Let's call it what it is. Let's not <laughs> dance around words. It's not about integrity here. I'm taking you through process. Yeah. So it's basically it. I've collected five, six, seven different melodic variations on a theme and... Then I hit paralysis with it because I don't know which one is the right one. I haven't peeled it back far enough. The ideas are all seriously within two derivations of each other. It's not like picking one of them would really throw me off. Why haven't I done it yet? Because I'm not quite motivated to do it yet. Why am I not motivated? I don't know, because I'm working on a million other projects and it's a lot more fun to look at other people and peel their shit back than deal with peeling my own back. That's bullshit. Let's talk about it that way. <laughs> I don't know. No, no, I think that's, I actually think that's a great point. Um, so I was going to say, first my question was yep. going to be, how long have you been working on that specific song and how many times have you either like stagnated or just decided like, oh, I'll get this later? I've been working on that song approximately a year. A year. Okay, so that's a while. That's it's, a long time. W would you believe me if it's one of the, the, the less egregious examples I could give you? I'm sure it is. That's totally fine. Um, when Joe Velez t shows me paintings, he's like, yeah, that took me six years. Jeez. Or I haven't, I haven't painted on that in two years. Like, he'll take out a canvas and be like, yeah, uh, I mean, I started it, it had a really good potential, and then I did something else, and then he'll come back to it three years later. Yeah. Um, which is great, because I think he has a nice physical example. Sometimes when you reach a certain point in the process where you have something you can see or something you can hear or something you can feel, um, I think it's easier to pick it up because it sort of stares you in the face. Yeah. You're like, oh, what's this thing? Where did I leave off? Oh, this is where I left off. And it seems like, oh, well, I already put this work into it, and I was obviously onto something. Let's continue it. What do you say about people that are in the very beginnings of um, the process where there's not necessarily uh, a tangible thing to return to? Um, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Do you know what I... Yeah. Mu when music is not as tangible. Well, not... No, not music. 
Because even you can go back to a recording yeah. that you looked at and then go, okay, what is the work that I put into this? But if somebody were trying to create something or somebody were trying to conceptualize something and stopped in the conceptual period, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and all they had was maybe written down the title of a work or an idea that was scribbled down somewhere... Picking up that idea again when you're in the very beginning baby stages of it doesn't make it less worthy of developing later, no. but it makes it harder because there's not something to pick up where you left off exactly because yeah. all of that happened in your brain. Does yeah. that make sense? Oh, yeah. Okay. You can have this big emotional heft behind an idea and that makes you revisit it a bunch of times, but you've lost that moment that gripped you in the first place at mm-hmm. that point. You know, you write, I write down ideas all the time, and I come back to them, I'm like, I know I felt really good about this, but I can't fucking remember why. Yeah. And then I look at it, and I just kind of shrug my shoulders and keep going. For <laughs> me, again, it's it's kind of occasion. It's like, what do I need an idea for? Yeah. I That's when I turn to those ideas, is, is like, okay, I have a thing I'm doing right now. I need either a character, or I need uh, a topic, or I need something to contribute to a greater process than an individual thing. Left to my own devices, perhaps I'm stagnant, but working collaboratively, um, I find myself to be a good foil. You know, you throw the ideas around, you share the ideas with Mm -hmm. other people, and uh, that helps you get back in touch with what it might have felt like for it to have dawned on you for the first time. Yeah. Through springboarding them off another person for the first time. That's awesome. That's a really good piece of advice. Because I don't know what to do with that sometimes. I have a lot of ideas, and I'm just like... Yeah. I mean, I don't... With theater, it takes a, a long time in the process to actually get to somewhere where you're like... Yeah. Here's a thing that I can refer to now. Uh, a rehearsal, a piece of dialogue, or a fully written script, or something like... Yeah. Something of that nature. In theater, a lot of it happens like, okay, this is what we're going to do, and it's just basically a list of steps or a big concept in your head, and most of that takes place inside of my brain and not out towards each other until you're really ready to pull the trigger because you don't want to waste anybody's time. Yeah. So um, that's usually the the hard part is, like, we've had, uh, me and other designers uh, have had lots of ideas, and... A lot of them are not coming to fruition because it's so, so, so early, um, and they get dropped in such an early stage that it's very hard to, like, pick up and revisit. So, that was yeah. all I was asking. It's oh, yeah. advice for myself. It's fine. Well, I mean, um. <laughs> it depends. Like, all ideas to me are good, even terrible ideas. Mm-hmm. They're all valid. I'm coming, uh, my, my background as a creator probably could be stretched uh, back as far as... Uh, whenever the hell I took my first improv classes, when you, uh, with improv comedy, you're coming up with ideas immediately. Yeah, you are going with the first thing on your mind, and you are committing. Yeah, you're committing to an <laughs> idea, and generally speaking, if you're doing group improv, you're you're committing to this idea early, and you're punting it over to another person so that they can grow it with you, and it grows out of your hands from there. So to be able to grip something small and just put it out there and then see where somebody else takes it with the expectation that it really shouldn't resemble anything that you had in your mind. Mm-hmm. So to be able to to generate an idea with a free and open mind uh, to where it can go is, is a very hard thing to do. I try to be in creative rooms whenever 
the hell possible just to see where ideas go. I think that's really my big thing, is I just try to see where everything goes. Um, when someone's working on something, when I'm working on something, even if it takes a few years to brew, like I'm finally getting ready to release a new single. I think I had one last year that came from a commission, and this one, I'm like, okay, fine, I'm going to I'm gonna take a song that I wrote 15 years ago, and I'm going to release it now. That's amazing! It's as good a song to pick as any. It was the song I could get moving the quickest. It was the most appropriate to where I was. You know, those are things you can look at when you're in, in matters of, of creative gridlock. Objectivity is a friend. Mm-hmm. Um, have you figured out the balance of... I think this is everybody. Uh, figuring out the balance. When you're successful like yourself and you have plenty of work, um, how do you balance out doing things for yourself, creating songs for yourself, or working on things that you want to do um, versus working on commissions. Now, obviously, it's in your field, so we all know that you're uh, artistically living the dream. Like, you're in your field, you're doing what you want to do. You're not, like, a clerk at an office being like, I just want to go to the studio. Um, You're here. You're in the studio. Thank God. Yeah, right? (laughs) Well, because it gets, I mean, it gets hard. And a lot of people have a, a main job or a side hustle or are trying to keep equal parts what they want to do and um, what they need to do for other people. And you're lucky enough to be working in your field, but it is still for other people. So, yeah. I mean, don't get it. Like, I do do other work sometimes. I do. Uh, honestly, again, it's, it's, I find it easier to work on other people's things than my own because there's usually money behind other people's ideas, which is <laughs> uh, always a fun way of telling you that it's a worthwhile thing to do. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I say that with a with a laugh, but it's there's the sincerity behind it to me is that I, I honestly don't feel unfulfilled. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people, especially as musicians might be working on other people's music and feel unfulfilled in it. I don't. My ego was never in being the brains behind an operation, which, thank fucking God, because that would have made it a lot harder for me to work with people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like to be a contributor. I love uh, being able to decorate the skeletons of other people's ideas. I think that's my happy place. When a musician comes in, they've got a song that essentially they know how it goes from the, you know, they can show it to me with just a guitar and their voice, and then we put a band together around it and, and put together, like, an arrangement. I love that, mm-hmm. you know, where, where I haven't had to help write a song, and I just get to do the arrangement. That's that's generally a large part of my passion is in the decorating, I guess oh. you could say. Um, I don't mind coming up with my own things. I enjoy it from time to time, but I'm not as reliable of a craftsman in those regards. I can do it on commission, and I enjoy doing it on commission, and there are some works that I've written that I really do enjoy, but it's not the skill set that I've fostered in the same way that I have arrangement and collaborative performance. Mm -hmm. So I would say that it's farther out of my specialty. Uh, I'm good at helping people write, I'm better at working with arrangements and getting people into rooms and getting them moving. Yeah, you are. Actually, you're great at that. <laughs> That's, that, I think, is a strength of mine, is, is, is a connector and a producer. Uh, yeah. More so. 
Yeah, you know, and that's that's why I, I'm privileged to be included in a lot of work these days is because I am able to help people get the project moving. It's uh, honestly the biggest part of why this studio was founded uh, for me. The the divine mission of Silver Horses to help people escape uh, project stagnation. Mm-hmm. Because we all know plenty of people who have, you know, it's one thing to have a bunch of ideas that never get to a place where they're supposed to bear fruit. Mm-hmm. You know, you, we throw ideas around all the time and lots of things get left on the cutting room floor. Mm-hmm. But it's another thing when somebody has sunk money into something and started out and they're so excited about it and all of a sudden maybe a setback or two happen and they're disoriented, they're off their trajectory and the idea just stops updating. Yeah. And it dies on the vine. Bands fall apart. Projects get shelved. I hate that. I think we've all heard great ideas that start and don't get to finish, which is a shame. Mm-hmm. And and I, I want to do my part to make sure that, that projects get completed. So, question though. Um, because you're so good at doing this for other people, is that why it's so easy for you to be like, okay, I'm not doing this song right now, or I'm working on this song, but I'm not doing this right now because I'm going to do these other projects yeah. um, for my livelihood? Is it because you're just really self reliant and like, uh, I help people get things done, so I'm sure I'll be able to help myself get this shit done? Is that what's happening? In part. <laughs> In part, there's that, but there's also certainly some stubbornness to it. I, okay. I, I haven't. <laughs> the The problem with that self awareness is I'm I'm certainly aware that I haven't done enough for myself in that respect. Certain projects need a different perspective. I find I like working with people who haven't worked with me before. I like working with people who've worked with me before too. But sometimes I find with my ideas. Um, I haven't quite found my handler yet. A lot of people just kind of give me a wide breadth and let me. Uh, to my own device, but I, I may need a proper handler. I don't know. I'm mm-hmm. going to be testing out a few different working relationships soon uh, to see if I can uh, have a proper springboard for some of the ideas. You know, I had I had that in certain ways, you know, with, with a drummer, but sometimes that drummer's got to go off and do other shit, so, you know, you have, to, you have to find that relationship in as many people as you can. That's how you broaden a network. That's how you build a community for yourself rather than staying insular to yourself, God forbid. Mm-hmm. Um, or, or to a small group of people. I don't believe that that's necessarily how productivity works, especially not at the lowest rungs where I may be working, but I'm still working on the smallest levels. Mm-hmm. You know, I know that there's quite a bit ahead of me, and I know that doing what I'm doing now got me here because it wasn't what I was doing before. Yeah. And I know that in order to continue growing forward from there, I need to continue to, to change and, and tweak and and sort of balance things uh, differently. It's an active process. It's not It's not a quick thing. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, I mean, I think that's... I don't know. I, it's weird to feel reassured, but it does feel good... To hear you, because I feel like yeah. when I look at you, I'm like, there's nothing Max can't do. <laughs> and it's good to hear that you're like, yeah, sometimes I stagnate. And actually, I think I need some help with that. So <laughs> I'm like, that's amazing. That's um, because in my mind, for 
uh, a lot for me. Uh, I find myself painted in a corner where I'm helping a lot of other people, and I'm like, mm, there's going to be a day I'm going to need help, and I don't even know where to look. Nope. <laughs> and I'm sure of it, and I am. It's it's a weird feeling to be like, mm, I don't think you can do that and help everybody. But it looks like that's totally an option is to be able to help other people and then seek out your own like yeah tailor made help. Yeah. It's it's about it's it's we work uh, on projects. Yeah. You know we are able to somewhat compartmentalize what we're doing into different projects where where it's not necessarily that we're incapable of helping ourselves. It's that there's different focuses. There's each project calls a different part of you out, mm-hmm. and uh, requires a different uh, flavor of your skill set or a different perspective that you have in your sort of, uh, you know, perspective is a nuance based thing. So mm-hmm. each time you sort of approach it fresh, I find. I don't think that it's so important that one can't help themselves, so how can they help anyone else? I think, no, we're perfectly capable of helping other people, and some of us are very self-sufficient and able to run on other people, run run on their own things just fine. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I am that person. If I have a motivator, like money or a deadline for something, that's generally um, helps. So we have a segment called the takeaway. Um, what exactly is your takeaway? Is I guess it's more advice for artists rather than informing society how to deal with us. Yes. Well, this could be something that you look at from you know I don't I don't expect everyone listening to this to be looking at it from my perspective or uh, anywhere close to each other's perspectives. I don't know uh, you know if I were to think about this from even the most basic of perspectives it's what is the purpose of what i'm doing am i just writing to write Mm -hmm. to improve on the craft of writing that's one thing am i writing for a commission do i have a deadline am i doing this thing with other people is what is expected of me is is always a good grounding for me Mm -hmm. is is to try and get the understanding of it it's it's a job in a lot of ways so if you treat it like a job and understand the expectations it's a lot easier to digest because a lot of people myself included start to just paw at this romantic intangibility and when you do that and all you have are these flowery words you don't really have anything behind them you don't have an idea of your own is uh you know in in guitar language there's things like mojo or voodoo or warmth or something that become weird to me because they mean a million different things to other people if you can find a piece of objectivity within your creativity as a grounding then it becomes a lot easier to for one thing get away from the idea get perspective on it if, if you need that for another thing to sort of itemize it and uh, you know make it seem like less of a big deal. Okay. You know, when things are a little less of a big deal, they're a little easier to manage. And no one's life is hinged on any one project. Every time I'm working on something new, I feel like I'm some jackass chipping away at something he thinks is the Mona Lisa, and that's not... Mona Lisa's not a sculpture. <laughs> I'm mixing my metaphors here. <laughs> that was great. 
chip it away at the Mona Lisa. You I know, can't imagine what people would think if you started doing that at the Louvre. <laughs> That's so funny. Well, more He's of, chipping away at it. You know, it, it, it's easy to get up your own ass and feel like you're making a grand sweeping statement when you're working on something because it's new to you. Because mm-hmm. it's new to you, it feels like you're a caveman showing fire to other cavemen for the first time. It's like, no, you're you're doing a thing. You're you're completing an objective. It may be new to you, and that may be exciting. But if you get swept up in that, you're gonna get lost. The Mona Lisa's already been painted, so you know what that looks like. You're doing something that you've never done before, ideally, mm-hmm. and growing in that way. So it's it's about trying to make peace with uncharted territory and make commitments. Unfortunately for myself, when I look at a blank page, I often become a blank page. Oh, wow. That's that's a hardship that I personally encounter when I'm working on new things. Unless I'm positively gravitating toward an idea through inspiration, mm-hmm. uh, when it comes to just straight-up craft, I need an objective. Or else I'm just going to look at that page and, and I don't know what I'm going to do with it unless mm-hmm. I have a reason to look at it. So find your reason. Whatever the hell it is, any reason is as good as any. Just take something, run with it. Sometimes you just need to take the wrong reason so that you can figure out what the right reasons or the right objectives are by contrast. Mm-hmm. It's not a bad thing to follow wrong leads. If, you, if you've got nothing fucking better to do creatively, do that. Figure out what doesn't work. Be willing to fuck up in those ways. A lot of people aren't willing to let themselves fuck up. And that's a, it's a really bitter pill to swallow, but swallow it, we must. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if we're going to grow, commit. Mm-hmm. You know, put it on paper. Even if it's the wrong idea, acknowledging it and confirming that it's the wrong idea is a very effective thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that works. So I guess that is uh, the conclusion of... What's the name of this episode? What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> So that's wonderful. Thank you, Max. You're welcome. Thank you for listening to Artist Gripes. A big thanks to Max Feinstein for a great, great episode. He's also the owner of Silver Horse Sound in Hoboken, New Jersey. Artist Gripes is a podcast that's dispelling the problematic presumptions about artists one conversation at a time. As always, this podcast is a no-peaking production with pre-show and post-show written by me, Amanda Levy, and the theme song is composed by Julian Gordon. Bye!